0: Welcome, everybody. This is Spirituality Adventures, a place where we talk about spirituality. Today, we're going to be talking about recovery and spirituality. And I want to thank you for joining us. And I have Jen Rogers that is joining in the conversation today. Thank you, Jen, for coming and hanging out at Spirituality Adventures.
1: Well, thanks for asking me.
0: We are in a series called Recovery and Spirituality. And what I'm thinking about in recovery is basically. Uh, things that people get addicted to. And I'm not necessarily even talking about hardcore addiction. I'm talking about um, drugs, alcohol, but also food addictions that people can have. I'm also thinking about like behavioral addictions, like getting addicted to social media or shopping or any number of behavioral issues that people deal with today. And so... um, my uh, my thought in having you as a guest is I was thinking about moms who are going through COVID and career women who are going through COVID and just the stresses that are kind of related to that mm-hmm. and how we can be sort of challenged in those new stressors to mm-hmm. turn to things that aren't so healthy for us. So yeah. thanks for uh, coming. I would like to first just have you share a little bit about your background so that our listeners can, you know, just get a feel for who you are and yeah. and uh, tell us where you grew up and kind of give us sure. a little background.
1: Okay, so I was born in Missouri, in Kirksville, Missouri, where Truman State is. Um, and my parents divorced when I was six, and we moved to Colorado Springs. My dad moved to St. Louis. Um, so I have two older brothers. Um, one, well, they're one year and five years older than me. And then um, my dad went on and remarried and had two more daughters. So I have two younger sisters. And um, I lived in Colorado Springs for most of my life, graduated from high school there, and then came back to Missouri and went to Mizzou for undergrad. That's where I met my husband. Mm -hmm. And um, so we dated all through undergrad. We got married two weeks after graduation. Um, at the tender age of 22.
0: Yay. I
1: know, really young. Um, And then I went on and started graduate school that next fall and um, worked through my master's degree. And then he was finishing school. What
0: was your master's degree in?
1: Um, So I have an undergraduate degree in Spanish with a minor in business. And then I got my master's in Spanish linguistics and um, second language acquisition. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, so he we moved to Kansas City. He started medical school here in 99. Um, well, first our first daughter was born in 1998 and then we moved in 99. And I started my teaching job here at Metropolitan Community College. Okay. So, yeah, so I teach Spanish there and coordinate the World Language Program at the Blue River campus. All right. So this is my 21st year there. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Congratulations. Thank you.
1: Man. Um so we, uh, my husband graduated from medical school. Um, we had three more daughters. So if you're doing the math out there listening, that's a total of four daughters. Yes, they're all girls. Right. Um, yeah, so we have four daughters. Um, now they are 22, 19, almost 14, and 11. So college, two in college and two in middle school.
0: Wonderful daughters.
1: Yeah, they're pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then my husband went on to residency, he's a pediatrician, and I'm still chugging away teaching and trying to hold down the home front.
0: <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Yeah. I was trying to remember when I met your husband, Scott, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was over 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, I think it was around 2007, maybe. To, well, we moved to the Northland in 2007, so- okay. Maybe 2008 at the latest. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember getting a phone call from Scott, and he had heard about a pastor who rode bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> and so somebody <laughs> Two gave him- of his him, favorite things. Right. Somebody gave him my cell phone number, and he calls me up and says, hey, I want to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, we had lunch and then started riding bikes together.
1: Yep. And the rest so, is history.
0: Yeah, so that's how I met you. So yeah. And, you know, I think Scott um, uses our bicycle time to get some guy time in, you know, after hanging out with uh, five women all day long at home and yeah. weekends. Gets <laughs> we do little,
1: have a male dog.
0: Little Oh, well, yeah. there you go. Yeah,
1: that's all about right. the only testosterone in our house, really. <laughs> our 10-pound that's dog, funny. yeah.
0: So. That's funny. Well, uh, I am... So we're, what, 10 months or so into COVID right now? Yeah, pretty close. Seems like it. Um, and I'm just thinking about the added stress that that created for families and particularly working families. So both you and Scott are working, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, and you have four daughters, two in college, right? Yeah. Two, one mm-hmm. in Middle school, one in high school. Is uh, that right?
1: We had two in college, one in middle school, and one in elementary school. In elementary it, last yeah. spring,
0: right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of you are at home. Is that right? Yes. Like, yeah. uh, did that start in March of, of this yeah, year? Yeah. So,
1: um, I had come, I w- had just started my spring break from teaching.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, so I was just thinking I was going to have spring break and whatever. And our oldest daughter came home, and she was also on spring break. So we had the same um, vacation. And so while we were both on our break, we both found out that we would not be going back in person So then um, our second daughter, who was in college, and her story is a little bit interesting. Like She was supposed to be a senior in high school, but ended up getting recruited for gymnastics um, at University of Arkansas. So she graduated a semester early. And we really only had a month to prepare for that, because she signed over Thanksgiving break, and then we moved her into the dorm the day after Christmas. So okay. we only had a month to prepare like sending her off. So she you know, did most of her season, and then um, she came home, I want to say it was like a week after our oldest daughter and I were home. So yeah, it was pretty fast. Um, everybody just kind of started coming back to the nest, so... And I loved it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, at the moment, at that time, I just thought, this is great, you know, because (laughs) (laughs) now they're adult. You know, our oldest is 22, and, like, she was home and an adult, and it was kind of like, you know, Scott and I have said, it's like we had a second chance of having our kids all home again, Mm -hmm. which was very unique. Like, we'll likely never, ever have an experience like that again. Yeah. So...
0: Yeah, so that, I mean, that was a, a blessing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yeah, it really was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were all of you doing online education? Like, were you teaching online? Were all of your daughters going to school online? Was mm-hmm. that was that what was happening?
1: Yes. Yep. So um, everybody was online at that point. Mine were, so my college ended up extending spring break one more week to give the instructors a week. Mm-hmm. To figure out how we're going to move our instruction completely virtually. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of had a feeling before I even left for spring break, I I would say maybe the beginning of February, you know, I was just reading up and and seeing like, there is a high likelihood that we might be completely online. And um, thankfully, I also, you know, technology in second language acquisition is one of my passions, so I'm always looking for ways to use technology and, you know, online learning to create and and sort of mimic that face-to-face learning environment. Mm -hmm. So um, I had already kind of prepared myself, but I had no idea what was ahead of me. I mean, no idea. Like how much time and how much work it was going to take, really. So really, for the first time, I mean, you know, Scott, being a physician, going through medical school and all of that, he's always, and then even just working, he's always been the one that is work, work, work. And I'm telling him, like, OK, you know, just put your phone away and stop responding to these work messages. And like, you've got to stop working. And now, I mean, he says to me, Jen, like, stop. It's, I mean, I'm responding to student emails at midnight and just, yeah. So it's just a lot of things that we weren't really prepared for. Right. So, and the same with the kids. I mean, they were having to adjust and do everything online and learning how to use Canvas and all the stuff that goes along with that. So it was, you know, it's a lot of new stuff.
0: So you so what were some of the stressors that you found were unique in that situation? I mean, that was the the blessing of all being together, but did that also create some unique stressors that you guys were experiencing? Yeah, I
1: mean, you know, I would say like okay, so the blessings, you know, look, try to focus on the mm-hmm. positive. Like we loved um I mean, everything shut down, right? There were no restaurants open, there were I mean, nothing was open. So We loved having like family time, family dinners. I love to cook. They all love to eat. So it's a great arrangement. (laughs) And um, we're not really a big TV family. You know, we just don't really watch TV. But we all really got into watching um, The Bachelor. So you can give Scott some. You can razz him about that. There we go. But, you know, our, our daughters like to watch, especially our second daughter, Claire, she likes to watch The Bachelor. So we would, like, sit down on the couch and watch The Bachelor. We watched The Voice. We watched Shits Creek. We watched, I mean, just, it was just kind of a way to, like, decompress, mm-hmm. you know? And um, since the kids couldn't really be with their friends either, it was like, we were living our best lives because we loved having everybody back home, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the stressors, however, were that, you know, the reality is, you know, like I mentioned, I was working all the time. I was trying to make sure that my students were learning because they didn't sign up to be fully virtual, you know, so I was feeling burdened by that, you Mm -hmm. know, and trying to really mimic that experience of in-person learning for Mm -hmm. them. And with Scott being a physician, I mean, it's obvious the stressors that he was experiencing. So... He was really and he's a, um he's on the leadership, you know, I guess, um partner with his practice. So he is um they were trying to figure out how can they change their office structure to keep the healthy kids healthy but still see the sick kids and not get the healthy kids sick, right? Mm-hmm. Because Babies need well child checks and kids need to be seen even when they're not sick. So he was carrying that burden. The stressor for me was um, all of the what ifs. You know, um, what if this lasts longer than we think it's going to? What if, um, you know, the kids don't get to go back in the fall? What if, I mean, all the things, Mm -hmm. right? What if one of us gets COVID Mm -hmm. and we're one of those people on the TV that they talk about that are perfectly healthy and it ends poorly, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say just for me personally, the stressor of trying to reassure the little ones that it was, we call them the bigs and the littles because we have a five-year gap between the two sets. So um, the littles were the ones that, and still do really worry about what's going to happen. You know, they see the, on TV, you know, there's 200 and some odd thousand people have died from COVID Mm -hmm. and all these images of healthcare workers that are, you know, working around the clock. And they don't understand. I mean, they don't have like the reference point to put that into perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. Um. So they worry a lot about that. And so I'm trying to carry the burden of reassuring them that everything is going to be fine. And then stressed that, am I doing a good job helping my kids learn? Am I doing a good job being an educator? Am I reassuring my husband? Am I, you know, all those things that um, just a lot on my mind, Mm -hmm. you know, on on everyone's mind. Um, I think, you know, um, it's interesting. (laughs) Something that I learned through the Oaks class Mm -hmm. at um, Vineyard is the curses, right? Mm -hmm. And so I've always been told that I'm like super mom. You know, Scott's like, you're super mom. And my kids are like, they're like, if, you know, your superhero is Wonder Woman because you just do it all, right? But that can be a curse because it's like, here I am. Like, I'm supposed to be holding it all together, and I am feeling like I am not holding it all together, you know? Right. So um just trying to be all things for everyone in the family is really stressful. Right. You yeah. know? So.
0: So in your i'm just thinking about not only yourself but in your network of of relationships with other women in their careers and their and their family life um you know i've certainly heard the stories of families who are together on top of each other and after a period of time kind of driving each other a little bit crazy trying and getting in Mm -hmm. each other's nerves a little bit i'm not not assuming that's your situation, but I'm sure you had friends that were experiencing um, I don't know was is there was there a temp, was there a, a temptation to more conflict because you're kind of on top of each other all the time? did Did some of your friends experience that kind of for sure situation,
1: yeah. And I mean, it was not all rainbows and unicorns at the Rogers house. So I'm going to be honest. I mean, it yeah. wasn't always perfect, right? So I mean, when you have people that are together all the time and you're used to having your separate time your separate space and everybody going to their place during the day for work for school for whatever mm-hmm. and then suddenly everybody is back together i mean that is that's that's a recipe for conflict mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean let's be honest right. right so yeah i mean i have you know myself personally and then lots of friends that were saying the same thing you know this is like so much togetherness. And the older kids were, I mean, my kids love to be home. So they weren't really crabby about not getting to see their friends. But um, a lot of my friends that have older kids that are either high school or they come home from college and they're used to being able to hang out with their friends and they can't do that. So they're crabby and they're taking it out on their parents. And then the husband's you know, or the wife travels and now suddenly they're not traveling for work and everybody's home and everybody's trying to work from home and we're sharing Wi-Fi bandwidth and it's just a lot. So, yeah, it's a lot of stress and and a lot of togetherness. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, couple that with people, you know, I have several friends who um, they were furloughed, their spouse was furloughed or, um, you know, business owners that... Just were really, really worried. I mean, as they're watching each day go mm-hmm. by, thinking, "This is another day," and I know what that calculation is, mm-hmm. you know, on the ledger, and mm-hmm. it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really stressful. Yeah, it's the, really stressful.
0: The financial part yeah. of that as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was reading a CDC report, and it was talking about. Uh, some of the upticks in like substance abuse during COVID. It was talking about suicide ideation during COVID. It was talking about issues of um, acute anxiety and depression and also dealing with things like even abuse, even domestic violence, even child abuse. And all of those things were on the uptick. In fact, most most of those things were on a twenty-six to forty percent increase. Wow! In, and this wow. was a, you know, this was one of the studies I saw that came out from the CDC on, uh, you know, some of the impact of COVID and on, on America, you know, just in general. And you know, I was just thinking about, you know, families that are facing those kinds of stressors, unique stressors. And, and then I think all of us have a tendency to want to, I mean, I'll speak for myself. You know, I, my brain goes all the time. I, I've always had problems sleeping. And so I like to be able to kind of chill, shut Mm -hmm. my brain off. So there's always this draw toward, you know, self-medicating in a way that's not so healthy. Mm -hmm. And... I wonder if you have some thoughts on that in, in this whole situation where there's there's this you know for people in general there can be this draw to just uh, self medicate to feel better fast however we want to talk about that and and even in this even in this family environment have mm-hmm. you um, ha- have you thought comments on any of that kind of stuff?
1: Uh, yeah um a lot. So, I heard someone say or maybe it was a meme or something that said after covid or quarantine, um people are going to be a hunk, a chunk or a drunk. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> I get it. <laughs>
1: you know, like you're home and so you can like work out or you know right. or whatever, so you could be, you know, a hunk when you come yeah. out of quarantine right. or you can you know, not do that, like. and you're a chunk, the quarantine 15, you know, we've mm-hmm. all heard that. Um, mm-hmm. Or a drunk, you know, you're self-medicating mm-hmm. to, like, how to cope mm-hmm. with this um, yep. togetherness and stuff. So, um, you know, anxiety is an issue. I mean, I um, I, I heard a, in 2015, a 2015 study that said that... Um, One third of Americans will have some sort of interaction with an anxiety disorder, either themselves or a loved one or something. Mm -hmm. And it's double in women.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And um, so I think for women, you know, it's and moms, it's really kind of. I think during this whole quarantine thing, it's kind of been like a joke, like socially acceptable, like, you know, we're going to have, you know, driveway happy hours and we're going to, you know, let the kids play outside at socially distanced or whatever. Um, And I mean, I I will say myself, like there were days when I come down from teaching and I'm done at three o'clock and I'm like, when is it five o'clock? Like I could really use a glass of wine right now. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, it's only two thirty or three, you know. Um, just because you're just on all the time, you know, yeah. um, we are constantly checking in with our kids, just saying, like, how are you doing, like, stress-wise, mm-hmm. emotionally, yeah. um, you know, not seeing their friends, feeling, you know, the weight and the stress. I know, I mean, Scott has seen an uptick in uh, kids that have had suicidal ideations and just really been feeling just desolate, you Mm -hmm. know, like they're just at the end of themselves. So um, I think that, you know, for me personally and just a lot of my friends, um, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to describe this to make it make sense, but like control can be an addiction, right? You can just be like addicted to control. Mm -hmm. And during COVID and all of this, everything is so out of control, everything. Like, you can't plan, you can't, like, think ahead, every day is different. And so it's that, for me personally, control is like, that is my jam, that Mm -hmm. is my kryptonite. Mm -hmm. When I am stressed, I just go into, like, hyper-focused control mode, okay? Um. Brene Brown calls it, uh, what is it? Like over, um, overdoers or underdoers, like not achieving, but um, it'll come to me anyways. So, but basically like there's two types of people when, when a high anxiety or high stress situation happens and there's, there's the over, which is me Mm -hmm. and you like automatically go into like planning mode and. You know, take care mode, and you're making the lists, and you're doing all the things to like mm-hmm. make the the stuff that you can control. Like, I'm going to do it, and mm-hmm. I'm going to do it like amazingly well, mm-hmm. right? So that's one group of people, and then the other group of people are like the people that just shut down, right? You know, like I cannot. This stress is overwhelming. I'm just going to like go to bed and bury under the covers, mm-hmm. and that is not me, but that is a lot of people, mm-hmm. which. Isn't necessarily like an addiction, but it's not a healthy behavior. I mean, either one, neither one are those of those mm-hmm. are you know healthy coping right. mechanisms. Um, so I think a lot of um, women, moms, we you know have self medicated with you know virtual happy hours and um, you know getting together. It's like, well, we don't have to work until five, so. Why not? right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine on a Friday, but mm-hmm. you know, not on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know? <laughs> um, it, yeah. it, you know, and and the other thing is, like back to that control thing, like, you know, we've seen so many people that it purged so much stuff, like organization and finally go, you know, get to that storage area or that closet that you've been avoiding, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I hadn't really really put two and two together about this until you asked me, you know, and kind of said, what are some of the things that you think people have done to kind of cope during this difficult time? And that is definitely something because you can't control what's going on in the world. So like, if, if I can get my house in order, then that's something that I can control. Mm -hmm. So have you heard of the show, The Home Edit? I have not. So it's this, show, I guess, on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but I know who these people are, these women, and they are really popular on social media, and they are like organizing goddesses, and they put everything, like it looks really pretty, like everything is in like rainbow order, (laughs) okay, so like in your pantry or like whatever, you know, it's all in the color order, so... Um, I have had several friends that have said, you know, like, I've been, you know, doing this so great. I've been doing this home edit and, you know, it's so awesome. Like, my pantry is all done and it looks so great and mm-hmm. it's all in, like, Roy G. Biv. You know, and I'm like, I do not have time for that. And so, but it's this way to cope of, like, as long as my pantry items... Are all organized and it's good, then at least that part of my life is mm-hmm. okay. Right. You know, until your kid runs in and like grabs the orange Cheeto bag out of the orange container and then it's like, oh, I changed my mind. I want the Doritos and takes them out of the red Dorito <laughs> pack and throws the orange in the red and then all you know what breaks loose. Yeah, but yeah. so I think that that need to control is something that women in general use to cope with anxiety. Because if we really start to feel the feelings of like, wow, I'm about to lose it, Mm -hmm. then you have to deal with the feelings. Mm
0: -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm.
1: So um, I don't personally have Um. anyone that I know personally, friends or myself, that are, you know, Abusing substances um, drugs or I mean alcohol yes um, I don't know that it would yeah. go to the abusing mm-hmm. level right um, or but certainly you know eating for comfort I mm-hmm. think you know yeah. Scott and I have done that you know sure um, yeah <laughs> I yeah. mean why not right yeah. so I know um yeah.
0: Well, we talked you mentioned Brené Brown and I I've, I've been a big uh fan of hers. I started reading her books when they first started coming out and uh, her her work on shame has been uh tremendously insightful for me in my own journey, particularly in these last couple of years and all that I've gone through. But I remember her saying that you know, shame is a universal emotion that all of us feel, and she tends to summarize it with the statement, "Never enough, never enough." Like, uh, and and she says men and women experience shame a little bit differently, or at least over different issues. Mm-hmm. So, for your for your uh, wife at home, you know, it can be you know you're never enough for your kids are never enough at 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 home or at work or in bed or any number of issues you could name and all those roles that you play that underlying feeling of never enough so i'm just thinking with covid with the added stresses uh, with our with with many of our tendencies to wrestle with that uh feeling of never enough it it seems to me like it certainly could lend itself toward a uh a perfect storm for some individuals in 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 this difficult situation and mm-hmm. time but but yeah. but curious about uh how that issue of shame can play into all of these stressors you're talking about so you're talking about you know one one technique for coping is controlling um but then in in our efforts to control and it's like, oh, but I'm, I'm never enough, or I'm mm-hmm. never getting, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you can, right? So, I don't know if you have some reflections on how shame plays into some of those issues.
1: Uh, yeah, I have a lot of reflections <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I am a recovering shame addict, like completely. And yeah, yeah Brene Brown has completely, um, changed my life. I mean, she's amazing. Like one day I want to meet her because she's incredible. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so shame is a big thing. And I think that, um, yeah, you're right. Women and men experience it differently. Um, I think for myself and, you know, for most of the women and moms that I'm around most of the time, our biggest shame thing is um, how bad are we messing up our kids, right? Like um, we kind of laugh about the the phrase, oh, I'm not saving for college. I'm saving for my kids to pay for therapy, right? Because of all the mistakes that I make as a mom and all the ways that (laughs) I mess it up, my kids are going to be needing therapy because I'm so bad, Mm -hmm. right? So um, I think with this scenario with COVID, because we're trying to um, juggle so many things and balance like, that balance is a lie. There is no such thing as balance. I mean, when people, and I'm sure you know, mm-hmm. when people talk about, oh, marriage, it's a 50-50. It's not 50-50. I mean, it's it's never 50-50. You know, there are days when it's 40-60, you know, and I can give 40 and Scott can give 60, and then there are days when I can only give 10 and he needs to, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's not 50-50. There is no Balance in marriage. There is no work life balance. Mm -hmm. There is no, you know, career mom versus stay at home mom, you know, balance. Because if you're doing a good job in, you know, or, you know, dedicating all of your time and energy to your kids while you're also working, one of those areas is going to suffer. And I'm not saying that either one is bad. It's just that. I think as women, we are fed this idea that you can do it all, you can have it all, you can be it all. Mm-hmm. And so during COVID, like this is the, supposed to be the working mom's dream come true because all that mommy guilt that we feel for leaving our kids every day to go to work, now suddenly we're home and we should be able, like, this is so great. Mm-hmm. But then that voice comes in, like you were saying, like you're not enough, like you're not doing a good enough job mm-hmm. for your work, mm-hmm. or if you're on a Zoom call for work, then you're ignoring your kids. And after a while, all those feelings of like, I'm not enough, I'm not doing a good enough job, it just gets like pushed down and down and down mm-hmm. and down, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, shame grows in hidden spaces, mm-hmm. like that's where it grows.
0: right? right.
1: And so- we don't want to talk about our feelings and say, I am really feeling defeated today because mm-hmm. I did a really crappy job in work. I was on a Zoom call, and I turned my video off, and I muted myself while I helped my kid with her math, right? And so nobody wants to admit that. I mean, you know, and that's just a s- silly example yeah. that probably every working parent that's trying to work from home has done something similar during this time, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about like really losing it with your kids, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely losing your mind, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a good friend who is probably the most patient mom I know. Honestly, her, she has a special needs son.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's amazing. I mean, she is the most patient, loving, kind mom. She's the perfect mom for her son. Perfect.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And um, we were in a group text, and she sent a text, and she was like, well, that's it. I've done it. I've completely blown it. I absolutely lost my with my mm-hmm. kid today. Mm-hmm. She goes, "I realized he had not been doing his assignments." So I, you know, and she was one that like wrote all the assignments down on this whiteboard because he he's on the spectrum and he has ADD and so she's having to like really help him organize because this is a kid that gets services at school. Like he has someone that helps him keep his stuff together, mm-hmm. right? And so this was back last spring when they weren't going to school at all. Like, they were home completely. And she's like, I just absolutely lost it. And I just took the whiteboard and I threw it across the room. And like, he just sat there looking at me like, oh my gosh, who is this person? And so she texted that. And for me... I mean, honestly, I kind of felt a sense of relief because I was like, wow, I mean, okay, I'm not alone, right? Because I have done that during, I mean, I haven't thrown a whiteboard, but like I've been known to like get really mad. Yeah. And lose it when we're not all in quarantine. Right. You know, and so it was kind of like misery (laughs) loves company. But she was really shaming herself because she lost it with her kid. Right. And so, um, just I think for women, you know, just understanding that, like I said, shame grows in hidden places
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you don't want to admit that you're losing it or that you've already lost it and you're not this perfect on the outside person, mm-hmm. that then you're just going to be experiencing shame for your whole life, mm-hmm. you know um, so. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Did that really answer yeah, your question? Yeah,
0: that's good. I I was, I just listened to Brene this morning and on a,
1: on Me a too. podcast, mm-hmm. and
0: she was distinguishing between shame, guilt, embarrassment, and humiliation.
1: Oh, and she I was, think I just listened to that podcast <laughs> last week. Did she give the example about like humiliating the kid in the classroom?
0: I don't. I might have missed. I don't remember. I don't know, that she gave part, an example, but, but anyway, yeah. But yeah. anyway, she was the the point being is that she she was saying that like you're saying shame wants to hide we don't like to talk about our feelings mm-hmm. of shame i've i've lived a life of shame and i've i've had to face shame big time in the last year and a half of my life yeah i felt shame in so many a, a, a roles of my life and yet uh, bernay was saying this morning like even though we don't want to talk about shame, nobody wants to talk about shame. We don't even like to feel shame. But one of the ways to heal shame is to talk about it, is to identify it, and even being able to, um, you know, like actually distinguish between a guilt feeling versus a shame feeling versus a humiliating feeling versus a embarrassing feeling. It actually, when we name emotions, get a handle on them, identify them in our body, talk about them and get them out. that that's actually a big part of the battle of healing, the shame that we're in. And so I, you know part of the, the reason I, I wanted to just talk to you today was that I, I know there's a lot of uh, women who are facing these challenges. Um, they're probably even in their own minds asking, "Gosh, am I going over the limit? Am I screwing up? I'm not good enough." You know, all of these emotions and coping strategies and and the internal emotions of feeling not good enough are, are just
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, 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 They got to be bouncing around in our in, oh yeah in, in in the heads and minds and hearts Completely. of women. And so I, I just thought talking about it alone and hearing like you felt. I'm not alone. Like just hearing that somebody else yeah. wrestled mm-hmm. with a similar thing, it's like I was. Oh, yeah, I'm not so bad. I'm not yeah. alone, or I'm not. You yeah, know, whatever. yeah. And so talking about it is such a huge deal. People unlocking those emotions and yeah. having context. What are What are some of those healthy ways that that women can deal with all this stuff? Like healthy. Coping strategies even maybe even spiritual practices yeah. that um, would that you found helpful that might be helpful
1: yeah, so so first, before I answer that, I do want to can I tell a story about myself yeah, really please. Quick? okay, so because I don't want it to seem like, oh, I have this friend who lost her mind, but me I was over here right. keeping it together, so because <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely not the case, so yeah. um, all right, so little background um so Scott and I. We we've had a really rough couple of years. Um, it's been really hard for us, and our marriage has really had a lot of ups and downs. More downs in the last couple of years than ups. Um, and honestly, quarantine and COVID was like the best thing that happened to our marriage because it. I, I don't know. It just it was really good. But anyways, um, so our twenty fifth wedding anniversary was this past May. And 25 years is a really big deal. I mean, like, 20 years is a big deal. But we, you know, neither one of our parents, we both came from divorced homes, and neither one of our parents even made it to 20 years. Mm -hmm. And it was just like a really big thing for us because we had just kind of like walked through this fire over the last two years and and really almost gave up. Mm -hmm. You know, you know all the stuff. But anyways... Just that you, you. I'm just saying. You know that we were really struggling, you know. So, anyways, we had this vacation planned um, to go to Mexico for our 25th anniversary, and we were supposed to go in April. And of course, that was canceled. So we rescheduled it until September, and then of course that was canceled. And so now it's rescheduled for December, but Scott's not going because he can't leave the country. For a week, because he'll miss three weeks of work. Right.
0: He'll so have quarantine, to quarantine when he gets right. back.
1: So I'm taking my bestie with me, which okay. I mean, I love her to yeah. death. I mean, she's like my best friend. But, you know, I really wanted to have that moment
0: with mm-hmm. my husband. Mm-hmm.
1: So um, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago or something, he came home and told me that he was exposed. So he trains resident physicians in his office. So they come and they train under him. Mm-hmm. And the resident that he was working with the day before was fine all day and then ended up testing positive for COVID the next day. And he found out. So he came home and he, I could tell that something was up because he was really serious and just like, hey, we need to talk about something. You know? And so <laughs> he told me that he's going to have to self-quarantine at home. Or, yeah, like, I don't even know how long. I can't remember at this point. But it was like, so he is going to, um, like, sit or uh, uh, sleep in the guest room downstairs. Um, If we were eating at the kitchen table, then he was eating, like, at the kitchen island. Um, He couldn't help with any of the driving because he couldn't be in the car with other kids. He's wearing his mask at home. He's telling me that I have to wear my mask that and our <laughs> oh, kids gosh. have to wear a mask in the home. And Fred, I mean it's just like it, it literally it's just all of that yeah. Like fake coping that I had been doing for the last 7 months and just like kind of pushing down, like, I'm okay, we're okay, everything is okay, Mm -hmm. right? It literally, it was like putting a mento in a Coke bottle. (laughs) It just, like, just went (coughs) and just, like, exploded and over just something so dumb. And I was, like, slicing a lime to put in my Corona bottle, coping, Mm -hmm. right? And I picked up the lime, and I just threw it like over by the sink, you know, and it like hit this little sign that I have behind the sink that actually has the Bible verse on it. (laughs) (laughs) Knocked it over. And I was like, I am so sick of this stupid COVID. It is ruining all of my fun. And now it's taken my carpool helper. Like that's it. (laughs) That is the straw that broke the camel's back. I cannot deal. So it's like, how dumb, right? Just so dumb. But it was all of that moment of like, okay, I've held it together for everyone. And now like, and I think part of looking back, like I was really worried, like, well, what if he does get COVID? You know, what if? And our youngest, like she doesn't understand. She When he, like, sat me and the two littles down to tell us that he was going to, I mean, from across the room, that Mm -hmm. he was going to have to quarantine at home, like, she went up to her room, and she started crying. She had diarrhea. She didn't eat dinner. She didn't eat the whole next day. Like, she was so worried that she was going to get COVID or that he was going to get it, and then he's going to die. I mean, just all this stuff, you know? And so Um. I just wanted to say that because... I don't ever want to like project that like I've got it together because I really don't and I can lose my mind and throw stuff. That day it happened to be the lime that was supposed to go in my corona. Right. That went and knocked down the Bible verse that was like telling me, you know, love is patient. I mean, <laughs> whatever, right? So
0: Exactly. So anyway, you know so
1: that you know that was not my proudest moment for sure. Right. Um but I will say I don't feel shame for that. Because I did you know we've had a lot of counseling my husband and I mm-hmm. and so I said to him, "Look, you know as well as I do this is not about you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry mm-hmm. at you. I'm just so I'm just angry. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. I'm weary, and so that concept, like name the emotions, mm-hmm. but anger is usually all we see. Right. You know, the mm. anger—what's it called—the anger um, iceberg, right? That that's mm-hmm. all you see, but mm-hmm. underneath that is all the other stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so, um, being able to just feel the feelings
0: mm-hmm.
1: and not push the feelings down, feel the feelings, all the feelings—the mm-hmm. good ones, the bad ones.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. The
1: ones that we're not supposed to feel, right? Um, feel the feelings and name the feelings mm-hmm. because once you've named it, you can't feel shame about it because it's not hidden.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. You know? that's good. I can imagine there's, you know, dozens, hundreds of people hearing your story, <laughs> and they're immediately thinking of one of those tipping points that they had you know, where they exploded over something. I mean, I'm sure families all across the nation, right? (laughs) Around the world. Oh no,
1: you're making me nervous for sharing
0: that. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like people people have hit their tipping points on so many issues. And think about all the issues on top of COVID that have been added to the stress of, you know, the, the finances, the... The COVID issues, yeah. the election year, all of this stuff has just added so yeah. much stress and pressure
1: yeah. Yeah, to I mean, everybody's
0: I, lives. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, what what are some spiritual practices or some co, or some healthy practices that have been really good for you for your family um, that Other than
1: throwing a lime against the case. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. Other than that. So
1: um, you talk about like there's this tipping point, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember this um, night, and it was early on when, you know, we were seeing um, Fauci and the whole medical team like multiple times a day giving a report. And um, Scott was like glued to the TV Mm -hmm. all the time going back and forth from each channel, just trying to hear, like, what is the latest? And, you know, the CDC guidelines are changing and travel restrictions are changing. And I just reached this point. I was like, I can't take this anymore. This is so stressful. So I went into the laundry room and just had to walk away from the TV. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that is healthy is, like, turn off the news. Yeah. Like, just stop. Stop that. Stop, you know, the social media, all of that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went into the laundry room, and I put in my ear pods and just started listening to music. Mm-hmm. I love music. I love, we talk about spiritual practices. I love worship music. Mm-hmm. I've always really felt like I can connect through worship music and prayer, okay. and the songs really become a prayer. Um, as much or probably more so than reading scripture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it just is really, you know, private, personal, powerful moment mm-hmm. for me. So um, healthy coping, um, you know, not—I mean, I can tell you what I did. I started—I I put a post on Facebook, actually, and asked people, what are some of your favorite books that you've read? Because I love reading, Okay, but I haven't had a lot—I mean— It seems like since we've had kids and then you're married and whatever, like we're reading books like how to parent, how to Mm -hmm. be a better parent, how to talk so your kids will listen and Mm -hmm. listen so your kids will talk, you know, all that stuff. Mm And I'm like, I just wanted to read for pleasure. I just wanted to like immerse myself in reading. Mm -hmm. So I just started reading like crazy. I love reading. So I was reading, reading books, I was listening to books, I was. I mean, when I would drive, when I would walk the dog, when I would, you know, make dinner, do laundry, I was listening to books or reading books all the time. I think I read like 12 or 15 books just over the
0: summer. So were these, um, what type? Were they novels, self-help, just a variety of different kinds of books?
1: Um, Fiction, nonfiction. um,
0: Any favorites?
1: Oh, well, Educated? <laughs> have you read that?
0: I haven't. I've, I've got it in my library and haven't read it.
1: So amazing.
0: I've heard it's really so good.
1: So amazing. Um, where the Crawdads Sing. I haven't. Also amazing. I haven't read that one. Uh, the Way It Always Was or The Way It Always Is. Um, that's really great, um, too. That's fiction, but okay. um, about a family that they have a little boy that is like identifies as a girl from the time he's like five years old. So that was really. Really good because, um,
0: yeah, something so, so yeah, I read tons, yeah.
1: tons, uh, yeah, variety of books. Um, Who are your
0: favorite worship people right now?
1: Oh, um, so I have, well, I love Carrie Job, she's mm-hmm. just amazing. I absolutely yeah. love her, and Natalie Grant. So, she, I have loved Natalie Grant from the time she was like not even a really big name worship singer. Mm-hmm. And she and her husband did this thing like a song a day keeps the crazies away on oh, Instagram. Yeah. Have you seen that? I haven't,
0: but I I've heard it.
1: It's really I mean, amazing. Heard that phrase, yeah. yeah, they sit down and they and she sings a worship song every day on Instagram live. Huh. And it's like really spoken to me. So if Natalie cool. Grant is listening to this by any I'm
0: going to have to check that it's out. It's so
1: good. Yeah. Nice. Um I love elevation worship. Um Oh gosh! I mean, I there's so many. I don't yeah. have like
0: Those are some only good, one good ones favorite, but yeah. What do you um do you do you have some conversation groups like you you talked about being on a group text where you where it sounded like you could actually text stuff that you're struggling with with a group? Mm-hmm. Is that a practice of yours where you actually have a little community of women that you share oh yeah what you're going through yeah with and
1: so that's um, I have a group of friends. That um we were in small group together back, oh my gosh, like two thousand I think it we started in like maybe two thousand two two thousand three okay. or so, and um so there's six of us mm-hmm. women, and when we were in that group, I mean, Scott was in medical school, so that tells you how long ago it was, and whoops um. So when we were in that group, we started, the ladies, we went to Lake of the Ozarks in the summer, the third weekend of July, and we would go on, We couldn't go very long because one of the gals, her husband is a pastor, so we had to be back on Saturday so he could preach on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And so we would go um, Thursday morning and stay Thursday night and Friday night and come back Mm -hmm. Saturday. Well, then that has kind of morphed um, as we've gotten older. We've had, you know, lots of kids. I think we counted we have twenty six kids between all of us. And so now um, we've gone to Florida to um, like Seaside, Seacrest area the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And when we're so two of them, the pastor has now since moved. He was called to a church in Tennessee, in Nashville. Another gal, um, she got divorced and moved. To Chattanooga with be near her parents. We moved north of the river. At this time, we were living in Lee Summit when we started going to this church. And the other um, three women live like in the Overland Park, Lenexa, Olathe area. Okay. So even though four of us live in Kansas City, like we don't really see each other that much because we have a lot of kids and Mm -hmm. all that. But we Marco Polo. Are you familiar with Marco Polo? No. So we Marco Polo. It is like so. It's an app on your phone. It's free, and it's a video. So you video yourself, and um, you can see all the videos, you know, of everyone. So, okay. um, in fact, I was like really behind on the Marco Polos, and um, just got really caught up yesterday. But we have shared literally so much of our lives through Marco Polo. Okay. It's crazy. Hmm. Um, I mean the joy, the tears. Um one gal or father in law just passed away last Thursday. Um it, it's it's just that connection with people. Yeah. This this past summer when we were in Florida was our 16th year hmm. of doing that girls' weekend.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I have that group of women um, that are just like my rocks. Yeah, you know um, that's great. They, we know everything about one another. We've been through births, miscarriages, adoptions. Um, when, when, when we. We were in a small group together and we told them we were moving Scott's grandpa into our house. And they all just looked at us like we had lost our minds <laughs> um, because, you know, they were concerned yeah. for us. They just so, so that I think, you know, for women, if you don't have that, you need to find
0: right, it. Right.
1: And I think women are starving for that. We want that connection mm-hmm. with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So,
0: isolation is a monster, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it. You, know, you throw in all the stresses and then you're isolated. Uh, it's going to augment any kind of negative coping yeah. strategy yeah. that's out there. Yep. So community, totally. support community is huge. Well, well, thank you for sharing. This has been, um, uh, I think, very good to just share and talk along these lines. I know that uh, women who are listening can identify with so many different parts of your story. And I I think some of the um, spiritual practices that you've talked about, like support community, worship music. um,
1: Podcasts. Yeah. I love podcasts, Reading. Reading's
0: a huge thing for me. Uh, That's one of my avenues for spiritual growth, Mm -hmm. is just reading in that discipline, so, um, so I really appreciate you taking time to share your life and your journey, and um, maybe just give a closing thought to uh, people that are listening in with us today.
1: Oh, wow. This is like the, the closing thought. Um, I think my closing thought is really just that um, nobody is doing anything perfectly. Nobody. And, um the sooner everyone, especially women that we can just admit that like i'm really I'm really struggling here and I'm not doing it well, and I need help. We're really bad at asking for help. ask for help, reach out to your friends, pick up the phone. That's why I like the Marco Polo because it's kind of like a phone call, but mm-hmm. you you can listen when you have time, you don't have to like pick it up right at that moment um. And be there for one another. Um, Show up. You know, Brene says that a lot show up for one another. And um, I think, you know, we're going to get through this. I don't know when. Nobody knows when. But um, I think that find what, you know, spiritual practice, lean into that. If it's prayer, if it's worship music. Um, like I said, I you know, I hate to admit, but I'm not the greatest like sit down have a great quiet time every day type of person. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't work for me. But I pray a lot. I listen to a lot of mm-hmm. worship music, and then I talk to my friends about it. Right, that is really helpful. That's great. Um, and get out of the isolation and and stop the self talk that I'm really screwing
0: this up. Yes, yeah.
1: Give yourself a break. I guess is the, the right <laughs> the take home message. Just give yourself a break. You know,
0: yeah, excellent.
1: So, well, thank you so much for having Jim. me. It's
0: it's great to have you here. Thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. And uh, stay tuned for spirituality adventures. We appreciate you joining us today. God bless you. Harvey Media production.